Almighty God, give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and the will to do those things you teach us this day. In the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Now, beginning last week and ending on February 20th, 20th, our New Testament lesson is going to be from Paul's first letter to Corinth. 1 Corinthians is what I like to call Paul's facepalm letter, because that church was in bad shape. Factions, the beginning of denominations, heresy, and wrong-headed thinking were so prevalent there, I can imagine Paul doing this. Every time he talks, thinks about the church, or he's writing to it. Now, last week we started in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians with Paul talking about spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts, if not understood correctly, can be very divisive. Most everyone in Corinth, and not a, not and a lot of people today, think of spiritual gifts as God's signs of favor on that person with the flashier gifts, such as tongues or healing or prophecy, showing the most favor. Kind of a God loves you, but I'm his favorite type of thinking. And Paul is quick to correct this. God gives the gifts not to show his favor to any one person, but so that the whole body can be built up and strengthened. We are given spiritual gifts in order to build up the body of Christ through strengthening the existing body here and by extending the body through evangelism. So I want to go back to last week's lesson for just a minute to cover a little bit of what Paul said so that this week's lesson makes a little bit more sense. So please pick up your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This starts about, if you're using the Bible in the pew, that's on page 1919, 1219. And last week's lesson was verses 1 through 11. Paul begins by saying that he doesn't want the church to be ignorant about spiritual gifts because they are ignorant about spiritual gifts. They think the gifts are given to them to make them feel better. And that's not true. So I'm going to read verses 4 through 7 and verse 11. So starting at verse 4 of chapter 12, Paul writes, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then out to verse 11. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he, the Spirit, wills. Paul tells us that all spiritual gifts come from the Holy Spirit. And the, the purpose of these gifts is for the common good. 
and that the Spirit gives or apportions to each one as the Spirit wills. This is important to understand. There are many gifts I want to have in the church. I've always wanted to be that cool youth minister, and I'm just not cool. I've been a nerd since I was, oh, about nine, and I'm just not that cool youth minister. I've wanted to have the gift of music, and you can ask my wife. I was the first person invited to not join a choir. But God has given me other gifts, gifts that I need and that he needs for me to fulfill my ministry as a deacon. There are others given the gift of youth ministers, such as Jared, or the gift of music, such as Derek and Jane in our choir, and even the members of the choir who don't know yet they're, know they're members of the choir that are sitting in the congregation today. That music helps us to worship God, and I thank God for the people with the gift of music at St. James. But it's not a gift I have. Now this morning, Paul talks about... Paul, Paul starts out by talking about members of the body, how they all kind of work together. And we put special honor on the members that we don't present to others. And then he says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We're not members like members of a club or a country club or a business. The church is the body of Christ. And as members, we are not individuals who happen to come to the same congregation or even the same denomination. We are limbs, cells, organs of the body of Christ. My systematic theology instructor told us that the church is the continuation of the incarnation of Jesus. We, together, are the hands, feet, arms, legs, and mouth of Jesus. Think about that for a second. I remember when my daughter was about three or four, we were living up here on Ferndale, and she, like many children, was afraid, afraid of the dark, afraid to go to sleep. She had to have a nightlight in her room. And one night she was particularly afraid, and I went into her, and I was, we prayed for her, prayed with her. And I said, you don't have to be afraid. You have angels outside your window, and you have Jesus in your heart. And she said, but Daddy, I need Jesus with skin on. We are Jesus with skin on. We're all part of the same body, not just here at St. James not just in the Episcopal Diocese Dallas or the Episcopal Church, but the body of Christ, the church throughout the world, all denominations, we're all part of the same body. We may have our differences. I had a Baptist preacher, a friend of mine that I did Kairos with, tell me I wasn't baptized, I was dry cleaned. But these differences are minor differences. We are one body, and that one body has an overarching mission. So what is that mission? That mission is to continue the work of Jesus after his resurrection and ascension. 
The reason I quote the Great Commission on Sunday morning before I give the dismissal is to remind us of that one mission. We are to go, leave this place, go out into the world, and make disciples. Then we're to bring them back here to be baptized. And then we are to help teach them what Jesus taught us. Everything we do is in support of that mission. Our new acolyte, Bo, and his brother, Ford, are in support of the mission of going, making disciples, baptizing, and teaching. Supper club, choir, altar guild are all part of that mission. Even the vestry is part of the mission of the church of going to baptize instruct and teach and part of that mission is the proclamation of the good news today's gospel takes place right after Jesus had been tempted in the wilderness for 40 days remember that story he's in the wilderness Satan says make bread jump off the top of the temple uh, and bow down and worship me and Jesus says no to all three of these and he comes back after this victory over Satan that's pretty preordained because Jesus is God and he goes about into Galilee the area where he grew up and starts preaching at the synagogues in there and everyone is amazed by what he teaches and he comes to Nazareth his hometown and goes to the synagogue where he was raised and he would be a known quantity there and now he's famous and the attendant gives him the scroll to read. He stands up and reads the scroll, and then he sits down. Now, when we think of sitting down, after the reader reads and sits down, after um, Sally, uh, excuse me, Sally's her sister. Susie, Susie, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm almost 60, so I get, had a senior moment there. <laughs> after she read the lesson, she sat down. When Jesus sat down, he didn't go back into the congregation and sat down. There was probably a chair, if he were doing it here, it would be in the center right about there. And he would have sat down to teach on the lesson. He would have been preaching, if you will. Back then, the teachers sat. They didn't stand. Uh, often the students stood, so the teacher could outlast any discussion from the students. But he read from Isaiah chapter 61. And that's the passage we hear him quote today. It's a proclamation of the messianic age. What is the life going to be like under the Messiah? And Jesus talks about proclaiming the good news, the gospel. The word is evangelion in Greek, good news, gospel. To the poor, proclaiming release and freedom to captives and the oppressed, restoring sight to the blind, the year of the Lord's favor. And as the continuation of the incarnation, this is our proclamation too. This proclamation is part of our mission to go make disciples, baptize, and teach. Who are the poor? Well, first, there are the physically poor. Those who don't have the things to, for the necessities of life. The homeless, the hungry, those without clothes, those without jobs. To them, we proclaim God's love physically 
as well as spiritually by providing for them the things they need, food, shelter, clothing, companionship, friendship, community. But there are also people who are spiritually poor. And who are the spiritually poor? The spiritually poor are those who don't know Jesus. And to them we proclaim the wealth of God's love, his reconciling grace, his peace. So who are the captives and the oppressed? Well, first, those who are physically captive and oppressed, actually downtrodden, those in prison, those in jail, everyone who society looks on as a less than human being. To those, we proclaim God's justice and his freedom from oppression and captivity. To them, we work for a more just society. And we proclaim God's justice and grace to those who are oppressing them. Everyone, everyone deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. We are all made in the image of Christ. Even the child molesters in prison deserve dignity and respect because they too are made in the image of God. But there are those who are spiritually captive and spiritually oppressed. And to them we proclaim freedom from oppression and freedom from captivity because God has defeated their captors and oppressors sin and death in the resurrection. And we proclaim that freedom and that love to them so that they can walk free from their captivity and walk free from their oppression. We have each been given gifts by the Holy Spirit for the common good to build up and expand the body of Christ. And as the church, we are the body of Christ. And we continue Jesus' work by going from this place making disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them. And part of this is to find the poor, the oppressed, the captives, and those who are blind, whether they're in those states physically or spiritually, and work to bring God's love, justice, and reconciling grace and peace to them. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.